1: All right, welcome to the Celtics Lab podcast. I'm your host, Cameron tubbs by I'm joined by Alex Goldberg. And for frequent listeners, we don't have Dr. Justin Quinn today because he's finally moving. Um, the big drama of our podcast is Dr. Quinn's apartment, and uh, he's finally moving. But instead, we welcome in a guest. We're going to bring in Ethan Fuller of basketballnews.com and the Boston Globe. Ethan, how are you?
0: I'm doing really well. Thank you guys for having me on. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, we are excited to talk to you. We have some news... Uh, uh, that we can get to about the Celtics in the here and the now, but what we're going to do in the lab portion of the programming is we're going to do a way too early, but equally confounding, look at all NBA teams and end of season awards. Um, because we could have done all stars. We could have done trade stuff, but no, we're, we're dreaming big dreams. We're going for the big ticket stuff. So that's what we're going to do in the second half of the program. In the first half, we're gonna do the news. But before all of that, Alex, how are
2: you? Doing okay, Kim. Uh yeah, no, and uh let's see. Just got back from Stop and Shop. It was a delightful trip. Perfectly solid New England supermarket.
1: That's all I got. <laughs> Ethan, uh, what is your favorite New England supermarket while we're on the subject?
0: Oh gosh, I think for me, I go to Stop and Shop. That's that's my place. Um as far as favorite, I, I I'll probably say stop and shop too, just because that's close to me. I mean, I, I don't have a vendetta against any New England restaurants. I'm I'm also from New Hampshire, so Hannaford is a classic for yeah. me. Uh Market Basket, of course. Um yeah, I I would say though stop and shop is my go-to. I think it just is a real good slice of life. Whatever you to want be me.
2: clear stop and shop is close to me and convenient but uh Wegmans is my
1: preferred New England grocery store. I've never been to a Wegmans. that's how but you know Wegmans. you're from out of town yeah that's not. A a Wegmans New is England. good um I I just want to shout out Star Market and also as someone who just turned 30 this is a riveting conversation for me I, I could do this for the whole hour um but we won't let's talk about the Celtics all right since we last talked or roughly thereabouts the Celtics have rebounded from a one in six stretch they're on a three-game heater. They play the Clippers tonight, it's Thursday afternoon. So we won't know the outcome of that Clippers game. But certainly going one and six and then three pretty loud home wins is uh, again in a yang. So, uh, Ethan, I'm going to start with you. What are you buying and selling from that bad stretch about this Celtics team?
0: Oh, from the bad stretch? I, I buy that you are going to have these... Issues, I, I buy that there will be team wide struggles from beyond the arc. Like yeah. that is what happened. And I think you just look at this roster and I think that stretch kind of hit you in the face where it's like, yeah, this team still doesn't have a surefire marksman shooter on the roster. And that uh, if you're going to eventually talk about trade needs and stuff like that, I think that is always going to be something that you want to look to add, especially with the way Joe Missoula's run this team. Like the Celtics take such a high volume of threes it's such a core piece of the way they try and move the ball to ultimately get their shots um that you're going to run into those issues and you can either play play through it and find another way to win like they have tried to do over the last two weeks or just kind of go somewhere else which i don't think you really do at this point so um that is interesting because i don't think that's the last time we'll see it i don't think it was just a blip where oh yeah we can we can bet on these guys to shoot i i don't think you can be afforded that luxury yet, but at the same time um, they eventually figured it out. I think even before we get to the bucks, I think the Timberwolves one was huge for just for them Mm -hmm. understanding the process of what they can do when the shot wasn't falling as it wasn't in the first half and into part of the second half. So it was an interesting stretch. I think just a lot of learning for us as viewers, as well as obviously the team learning too, about what they can do when the shots aren't falling.
1: Sure. All right, Alex, what about you? What are you buying or selling from hopefully Uh, the bad stretch that is behind the team. What I'm buying from that stretch is that the Celtics are not some
2: unbeatable juggernaut that they might have been projected to be early in the year. Um, I don't think this is a type of team that's going to be remembered in the same vein as like the 2016-17 Warriors or, you know, the 2013 Miami Heat. This is not that kind of team. Now, there are teams that can still win a title and not be those kind of teams, but the Celtics are not like, some unstoppable juggernaut that the them winning the title is inevitable. They've still got kinks. They've still got some flaws that they kind of need to work out. Um, And that was evident in that stretch. What I'm selling from that stretch is the notion that uh, Joe Missoula and his lack of, or his kind of Unstructured game planning is somehow at fault for this. Uh, Joe Missoula was getting nothing but rave reviews when the Celtics were rolling, hitting all of their shots and uh, everything was going fine. They encountered some adversity with a little bit of roster shuffling, uh, particularly with various players like Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Blake Griffin, all kind of missing time in that stretch. Joe Missoula kept the wheels turning. They were running largely the same type of sets. Uh, I think what it came down to is that the NBA is and always will be a make-or-miss league, and the Celtics missed a lot of shots. So I'm not putting any of that on Joe Missoula. I don't think that he's doing a particularly better or worse job than he has been doing all year. He's a very solid coach, and you know I think that's, uh, that the latest three-game stretch is evidence that when they are following Missoula's process, more often than not, it's going to lead to good results.
1: Yeah, I think what I'm buying is, Ethan, what you laid out, which is, I think, a problem for me is that this is a a team that's going to live and die by the three. Um, We'll get into the winning uh, streak in a moment, but it does seem like this team is going to shoot through their pain. And um, I don't know that I think that that's the most sustainable way to to go the distance in the NBA. Certainly, it, it can pay dividends, but when it doesn't work, we've seen with other iterations of the Boston Celtics, when it doesn't work, it really doesn't work. Um, So I suspect I am right. And that I'm buying that. That is their mandate. I'm a little worried that I'm right about that. Um, What I'm selling uh, is their Titanic Teflon depth. Um, I'm suddenly finding myself a little worried about the eighth, ninth, 10th players on the team. However, you want to shuffle the deck um, because you know, when they're, firing all cylinders and Tim Hauser gets 12 points on super easy looks, that's great. But when they get punched in the mouth a little bit, the bench didn't feel like showing up. It didn't it didn't seem like. Um so it's December and this whole episode is about hot takes. Um so maybe that's a little hot takey, but that's where I'm at with that. All right, Ethan, what are you buying and selling from the winning streak, the other side of the coin?
0: <laughs> I I'm ready to buy on the defense, first of all. I believe it's uh oh, great. rank number one since Rob Williams has been back at number one over the last two weeks, probably about the same time span and just watching the Bucks game. I mean, you might look at the final score and you might look at Giannis's point total and say, Oh, okay. Like he, he did his thing. But if you watch that game, they defended so well, like it was really unbelievable. Al Horford has done what he's done for several years. Now guarding Giannis Blake Griffin, as much of a roller coaster as a lot of the Blake Griffin experiences is, he did a really admirable job, admirable job on defense in his minutes. Um, Derek White, If we end up talking about all-defense at any point, I will hammer Derek White on the all-defensive first team. (laughs) I think he's been unbelievable all season. I think the communication in general is starting to click. I think um, just putting Rob Williams back into the defense understandably took some time, and I think they're starting to figure it out. Um, I buy buy it. I I just think there's so few ways for opposing offenses to really hunt a mismatch. Um, Even Sam Hauser, who appears to be the guy teams like to hunt it can hold his own I'm not going to mm-hmm. say he's electric by any stretch but he can hold his own and it just makes a lot of sense like you're seeing the cohesion all together and you're seeing it kind of really be synergistic and if you can do it against the bucks and do it against one of the most tough players to stop in the entire league like that really makes me feel good
1: yeah that that Christmas game was the model that's how it's done although they did you know shoot lights out from three but whatever uh Alex what are you buying and selling from the the, the winning
2: Um, What I'm buying is that Marcus Smart is absolutely essential to this team playing at its highest level. Um, I think a lot, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum get a lot of the praise deservedly so for all of their incredible numbers and scoring and all of that. But the offense and the defense both work better when Marcus Smart is out there and playing consistent minutes. Um, There's a lot of talk about like, I don't know, I, I think like, having like big three narratives is kind of silly and outdated, particularly with this team. But if the Celtics have a quote unquote big three, then Marcus Smart is clearly in my mind, the third guy on that team. He's been exceptional all year. I think he has a borderline all-star case as I've been preaching for a couple of episodes now. Um, And it's just clear that when he's out there, he knows where everybody is supposed to be. He's really great at organizing the defense and offense at the same time. You've already seen his connection with Robert Williams helped get Rob reacclimated into the lineup, just giving Rob easy buckets via lob passes and just like hitting him in the interior for layups, things like that. He just makes such a huge difference for this team. And uh, I'm going to keep singing his praises. Um, What I'm selling from this stretch, tough, tough. You know, I think I'm, I'm usually the overly optimistic one on this podcast. So it's tough for me to be, selling anything major at this point. I guess the thing that I'm kind of selling the most is um, the idea that the Celtics can expect things to come this easily in the playoffs, if that makes yeah. any sense. Um, I think right now they're rolling and they're playing really good offense and they're playing a kind of sustainable brand of offense, but defenses are going to clamp up. Um, I think you're going to see much more intensity from a team like the Bucks, from a you know kind of team like the, the Nets, some other kind of Eastern conference rival. Once the playoffs start, these defenses are going to be a lot more intense. These open looks that we've kind of talked about are going to be harder to come by. And that's where I think the Celtics are going to need to, as they have in the past, rely a little bit more on the individual greatness of some of their starters.
1: Cool. Um, I like what you said about smart. One thing that I'm buying and I haven't done the homework of, you know, this, but it seems to me that for all of Joe Missoula's laissez-faire attitude, when Smart, Brown, Tatum, Horford, and Williams have been on the floor together, Smart is checking with Missoula and calling plays in a way that they don't necessarily do with other units. And I don't know if that's intentional to bring Rob back, uh, or I said this um, the other night, I wonder if this is the group and they know that and like this is really the only group that needs that. Practice of crunch time and calling plays. Um, so in any event, Marcus Smart being the head of the snake, I'm buying that. Um, I'm selling Derek White's haircut. I get that you know the, the winning streak and the haircut are correlated, but they're not causal. Um, I just recently found out that Dark White is the Buffalo, uh, and even if you know it's not because of his haircut, it's not a good haircut that he got. Um, so I'm selling that, Derek. You can do something else new, but uh, I'm, I'm not buying it. Okay, let's pause the action and talk about our friends over at betonline.ag, your number one source for all your sports betting for football and basketball this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends over on betonline.ag. It's always your continued source for sports wagering information, and BetOnline features live betting free contests and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and golf games and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just make sure to use our promo code CLNS50 to receive that reward bet BetOnline where the game starts. All right, um, we talked about Rob. Each of us, I think, t- talked about Rob. Um, certainly him being back is a big deal, and I think it would be we unanimously agree it's been pretty good for the Celtics to have Rob back so I'm going to keep it moving something that uh someone else that is back would be collectively the Brooklyn Brooklyn Nets um to Ethan what's your temperature check on the Nets and the East vis-a-vis the Celtics
0: um I think I mean the Nets obviously they've won 10 straight they've been ridiculous Kevin Durant is in the MVP conversation as I'm sure we'll talk about later he's been unbelievable Kyrie Irving Has played really well. Um, Nick Claxton, too. I'm such a huge fan of his game. He has just Mm -hmm. found his spot as kind of anchoring and protecting the rim and finishing off easier cutting and dunking chances on offense. I feel like the Nets have really defined his role super well, and just he's specialized in it and has been really, really successful. Leads the league in field goal percentage. Obviously, a lot of that comes in the paint, but still really impressive for him. And they just have a bunch of different interesting contributors. Ben Simmons, is working his way back and has fit in pretty well you have a bunch of guys who can get ha- off the bench and yeah I I think the Nets are absolutely a team to include in that contender or like NBA finals contender out of the east tier I, I feel like it's a pretty clear five at this point between Boston Milwaukee Brooklyn Cleveland and Philly and it's interesting because they're all such different teams in how they function whether it's Working around a central player like Embiid in Philly and Harden, or Tatum and Brown here, or Giannis in um, Milwaukee—just very unique, different player archetypes um, throughout each team. And I think it's going to be a really fun playoffs once we get to it. But yeah, definitely, the Nets are legit. Like uh, I'm—I obviously they'll cool off at some point, but they're going to be here for sure.
1: Yeah, the kind of back of the napkin heuristic. A lot of NBA people has got to be in the top 10 in offense and defense. And in the past 15 games, the Nets have the 10th defense, which is impressive for this Nets team, but the number one offense. Mm-hmm. Um, so their Achilles heel has been often defense. And um, I don't know that you can take it for granted that that's going to be the same story this spring. Alex, what's your sense of the Nets and then uh, the East, uh, those teams that Ethan mentioned, I think. Again, I mean then
2: yeah so the Nets are super talented they always have been um and their roster is looking a bit healthier now which I think is making a big difference the emergence of yuta Watanabe and TJ Warren in particular has really helped Brooklyn um find reliable shot makers other than Durant and Kyrie to stretch the floor obviously Seth Curry and Patty Mills are both good shooters but I think Their defense was really, really poor at points. And so having bigger players like uh, Warren and Watanabe, who can still give you volume three-point shooting and some size in the wing, has made a huge difference for them. The thing that's made the biggest difference for them, though, I think uh, you got to point squarely at Jacques Vaughn, who Mm -hmm. took over for the embattled Steve Nash when he was canned, (laughs) much to the delight of Brooklyn Nets fans everywhere. And, you know, I got to be honest, I was somebody who was pretty surprised when the Nets hired Nash in the first place. I thought that Jacques Vaughn was a pretty underrated coach then, went on a nice little bubble run with the then uh, very like ball of clay, Brooklyn Nets team that, that was not quite fully formed. He did a good job there. Uh, I'm not super surprised to see him doing a really good job now, just keeping things simple, you know, really kind of playing into, The Nets' strengths, and in particular, Kevin Durant's strengths just as a premier isolation mid-range scorer, somebody who really can do that at a level that not many players in NBA history are able to execute at. You know, it seems like he's simplified their concepts. He's kind of given the Nets uh, more focus when it comes to just, like, getting the shots that flow and that work for their players. And in particular, these guys are playing much harder for him. So I'm not horribly surprised that the Nets are playing better. I am a little bit surprised at just how well they've been with the caveat that their schedule has been a little soft in the past few weeks. I would like to see what the Nets end up doing against kind of the premier teams of the East and the West. Obviously, they beat the Bucks pretty badly the other night, which makes a big difference. But I, I do want to see kind of how this progresses over the course of the longer regular season. The Nets are playing well. um, As far as the rest of the East goes, the Milwaukee Bucks have quietly been stumbling a little bit. Um, I think the lack of Chris Middleton for the past few games is really starting to show on offense. The Sixers are playing better. Um, I'm still not sure that I completely trust the nucleus there. I think that It strikes me that there's a lot of your turn, my turn offense with Harden and Embiid and then not much else going on there. Maybe when Maxi comes back, that will change. Um, You know, I think it's pretty much like you guys said, there's a pretty clear demarcated top five in the Eastern Conference. And those top five are going to be kind of shuffling around all year. Um, I will be interested to see by the end of the season, which one of those kind of looks the most sustainable heading into the playoffs. But uh, overall, yeah, no, it, it's fair to say that the East is trending up as a whole.
1: I I don't think it's trending up. I think it's arrived. Oh. Um, I think the West is really crowded. It has, like, a lot of great teams, but the best teams, I think, are probably in the East. It's a good point you raise about, you know, injuries and whatnot, that, you know, when we're analyzing seven-game stretches, you know, the Celtics went one and six, but they missed Smart for a few games. They missed Forford for a few games. They had Tatum out, like, there's just whether it's strength of schedule or travel or injury bug, it's hard to like really take these snapshots and analyze things, but that's, that doesn't make for good podcasting. So I'm going to drop it. Um, okay. One last thing on the bit of news, and then we'll hop into the lab portion of the programming um, Steeplepet pet of heavy.com is reporting that there is a little bit of trade buzz around Peyton Pritchard. Um, we had his colleague, Sean Devaney on heavy a few weeks back. And he said, uh, point blank. I think the Utah jazz want to get their hands on Peyton Pritchard. Um, Bull Pets report just suggested teams are taking a second glance, perhaps Pritchard um, obviously has fallen a little out of the rotation because of Malcolm Brogdon. Um, his shooting is down. He had his seventh start of his career recently where he didn't play all that well, but, you know, reliable four-year college kind of guy shooter. Uh, Ethan, to your point about Hauser, probably better on defense than people would guess, but Regardless, Ethan, uh, I will pose you this. What is your take on the Pritchard buzz, if it matters? Um, Do you have any teams in mind, Jazz or otherwise? And early in the trade season, anything about the Celtics and the trade deadline that you want to talk about?
0: Yeah, I think with regards to Pritchard, it's an interesting conversation for me. To be totally honest, I've largely been lower on Pritchard than most over the course of his career. I think Mm -hmm. the issue for me is that, yes, he is an unreal shooter, probably just straight up one of the better perimeter shooters in the league, just the way you can shoot off the catch and off pull-ups, off screens, whatever you want. Um, I just have an issue with he he isn't really much of a threat attacking a closeout, driving the basketball. Um, He'll make the right decision, but he's not necessarily creating really much of an advantage when he's passing the ball. And he works so hard on defense, but the size limitations just... Like they hurt. And if he's in the rotation, teams are going to pick on him. I think we saw it a lot in the heat, uh, Eastern Conference finals last yeah. year. Like teams will go at him and, and he really like he works really hard, but there's only so much he can do just with his physical limitations. Um, so I think for me, if if I am the Celtics, I would want to keep Pritchard honestly kind of in the role that he is, because he has the experience to kind of fill in for whatever guard is hurt at the time, because it seems like there usually is one. Um you can have him shoot the ball really well, which as we know, Celtics are going to need perimeter shooters. And so you have Pritchard there. And as long as you're not kind of entrusting him with a full game load of offensive and defensive responsibility, then I think that's fine. I I think his reserve spark role is okay right now. Um, That being said, obviously he's not a core component to the team's success. So if you, if you get a good trade offer, it's a business. And I understand taking it. I think teams, that I would be interested to see go after him. Utah's an interesting one. Um, honest, I honestly am still trying to figure out what their direction is because they are winning yeah. games, but you you can tell the ceiling's kind of low. So I wonder what adding a guy like Peyton Pritchard does for them, but it's interesting. I understand where he fits in their offense. I think, um, honestly, some of the other East contenders make sense. Philly makes sense. if If they can kind of hide him in their defense, I think he's another guy who's a good outlet for... Embiid um Harden Harris Tobias Harris when he has the ball um I could see him in another similar spark role in Milwaukee although I think they prioritize larger more physical players so maybe they wouldn't go after him but I think any any team would be glad to have a guy like Peyton Pritchard on their roster in general I just wonder how many minutes you can give a guy like him just with how much the league switches today um how much you need people who can create advantages off the dribble. He's really been a puzzling player for me for a while. And I know that's not, that's not really a direct answer to your question, but that just kind of is my thought process around him in general.
1: Yeah, this season he's playing like 10 and a half minutes a game. He was playing like 18 last season, just you know, for fans who are wondering, Ethan, to your point, like where he would fit in a rotation. Because um, now this is you know, minimal for use. He doesn't always play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his, his shooting is down. Last year we saw him with more of a featured role Um, maybe that is more of the standard of what you could expect, which, you know, has its limitations. Um, Alex, anything about the trade season uh, that is upcoming that you have changed your tune on or want to double down on about, like, what comes next? Um, You were saying, like, you know, maybe the Celtics move Pritchard for a second-round pick, but, like, it's not imperative that they do.
2: Yeah, with regard to the Celtics, I have a really hard time seeing them major players at the trade deadline unless something just kind of falls into their lap um i just don't think there's a ton of minutes to go around on this team and you know maybe you can flip pritchard for like another rotation big or something like that or you know uh, kind of a little more shooting with size that can maybe actually play some defense um but I, i i feel like those players are pretty valuable and pretty kind of hard to find and there's not a lot of teams out there that are looking to move off of those players, and also match Peyton Pritchard's salary, which is relatively low. Um, you'd probably be looking at a lot of rookie scale contract guys, and at that point, it's just like, yeah. would you would you rather do that or would you rather just kind of keep Pritchard? I'm kind of of the opinion that they are probably going to keep him. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a given that he will be a Boston Celtic for his entire career. I would be I, one thing I would be looking at is maybe flipping in for some draft capital in the off season, uh, If that's something that you can pull off just to keep that kind of ball rolling. But um, for the Celtics, I think the area that they're going to be looking at most aggressively in the kind of transaction season is the buyout market um, where I feel like there's some decent talent that it ends up shaking loose, particularly when teams that, you know, we've been kind of thinking might blow it up and go all in on the tank, you know, teams like maybe the Bulls or, the heat, if things go really poorly or the Timberwolves, if things continue to kind of fall apart there, you, you could see some of those teams start to shed talent pretty quickly. And I think that's typically a place where the Celtics can look to do some
1: damage. Yeah. I, Justin Jackson hasn't seen the floor much, but he does strike me as someone who probably could be, uh, could fill in for Peyton Pritchard to a certain extent, um, reasonably reliable shooter. I I will take the tax that I have taken before, and uh, it's mostly just for shoots and googs. But um, I think this all they should consider making up as big a trade as is feasible, as in packaging, you know, Grant Williams and Derek White, and like really swinging for the fences, so, like bringing in another Malcolm Brogdon-esque person off the bench or something like that. Um, I have yet to come up with the name for who that would be uh, and what would be feasible. I have until February 9th to figure that one out, or February eighth. Um, so I'll get back to you all, uh, but just for the sake of intrigue, Alex, I think intellectually you're probably right, but part of me does think nothing uh, is stable in the NBA, you can't take anything for granted, and if the window is open, open it more, um, rather than prolong that opening by holding on to that uh, White and Grant Williams, but uh, that's a tease, we'll talk about that in a future episode, instead, let's look beyond the trade deadline, let's hop into the Celtics lab. So everyone put on your lab goggles and your safety gloves. And Ethan, what we're going to do is we're going to make our all NBA predictions and time permitting, we'll do MVP, defensive player, anything else you got. So um, before we do the full on teams, let's keep it Celtics centric um, without tipping your hand and also with a little bit of celerity on the mind, a little bit of quickness where does Tatum lands in the all NBA conversation and spoiler alert, I bet we all have the same answer.
0: I in in the all NBA team, just straight teams you're asking. Yeah. Oh, first team for okay. me. Yep. Cool. Um, and well, I guess we'll talk about how hard it is. Like I will say you have three, three candidates for two, forward spots, I think, but I, I would put them first team for sure.
1: Isn't it two guards, three forwards.
2: Yes, but one of those forward spots I think is going to be locked for a particular center. (laughs) Yeah, that's yeah, maybe not. I
1: I mean, we can do this now. Does anyone not have Tatum, Giannis, and Jokic and their as their three forward spots? I have uh, a different forward in that spot,
2: um, Kevin Durant who I think has been uh, a first team all NBA player for basically the whole season, even when the nets were having their kind of terrible losing streak. And now having ripped off 10 in a row. You know, I think Giannis and KD like either one of those guys, you truly can't go wrong. Um, They're both incredible. They've both been playing super well. Um, Durant is the hot hand right now. And if we're making these rankings today, that's the guy who I'm going to roll with for first team. I do think Tatum and Jokic are both locks for me.
0: I, totally echo that I think KD would be my pick right now and I hate including records in this conversation but I really think like as this goes along it's going to come down to like whoever on the east ends up getting the number one seed is going to be pivotal whether that's Bucks Celtics or Nets
1: I don't think you're wrong I mean to play armchair psychologist uh people were up in arms at Tim Bontemps of ESPN suggesting that you know the the zeitgeist's doesn't like how come Durant conducted himself over the summer. And I don't think that that's fair, but I do think it's just like, that's probably true that like voters writ large probably have a certain opinion colored about come Durant that they maybe didn't before or that they don't about Giannis. So from like an X's and O's statistics Raptor point of view, I'm willing to pencil in KD over Giannis knowing who the voters are and how the voters think and feel. I don't know. It like could quickly get quite like political in a dumb way, which is great because all Jason Tatum does is sell potato chips and play with Deuce Tatum. So like, uh, there's no boats to be rocked. All right, um, Ethan. Let me give you a harder one. Then, gosh. Where, oh, God. where <laughs> if anywhere, does Jalen Brown land on your All NBA teams?
0: I when I was doing this exercise, I have him. I have him on the thirteen. Okay. I don't, I don't know how much you want me to go into that, but I yeah, I do have him on the thirteen.
1: And tell us, uh, we'll be quicker with the other candidates, but tell okay. us more about Jalen. So, uh,
0: for me, uh, the third team spot basically came down to um, let me pull it up. So, it was a uh, the forward, the 40 ish spots. I reserved a spot for Bam bio as, as a center of sorts, but um, Jalen Brown, Pascal Siakam, and LeBron James were honestly my three last spots there. Um, Siakam, I feel like is a lock, I think he's been amazing, and I don't think that gets talked about enough still. Um, so really, Jalen Brown and LeBron, and I think. Um, Brown has just been he's finally hit this level where outside of this kind of recent stretch of losing that the Celtics had this is the most consistent that we've seen him to start a season all year I think that he's just been really smart in his approach and obviously it's impacted winning more than it has with LeBron and maybe that's unfair to LeBron because he's been amazing as usual and I wouldn't be upset at all if someone put LeBron over Brown but I think that's where I'd have him right now.
2: I I have him at the exact same space, uh, third team forward. Um, I don't have the exact same third team, I believe, um, but I do have Jalen as my third team forward. I think he's been excellent all year. Um, There uh, are some weird things happening on Celtics Twitter, as per always. Um, When it comes to Jalen Brown, a lot of people who Kind of have been, I think, poking at the faults in this game, which do exist. Like Jalen Brown is not a perfect player by any means. He definitely has brain farts. uh, You know, he has bad turnovers. His um, weak side help defense could be better. I think all of that is true. But Jalen Brown is also a top five scorer in the NBA. Uh, he is one of the best isolation players in the league. And at the end of the day, there is nothing in the NBA that matters more than putting the ball in the hoop. Jalen Brown is incredibly good at it. He's only getting better. And so I have him on my third team as well.
1: I hope one of us knows the correct answer to this. Um, Jalen can be a guard or a forward, right? Or that's usually how he's been considered for things like All-Star.
0: I think in the past, yes, I just wonder because the Celtics have played two guards so much this year, I wonder if that will change I don't really know how that how changing positions works for All-NBA
1: Yeah, Jalen is 14th in, in points per game uh, at 27, but he f- shoots a rather efficient 49.3% from the field um, He might also just quite frankly benefit from the fact that like Devin Booker just got hurt, um, if he is eligible at the guard spot, Steph Curry just got hurt um, So uh, Anthony Davis just got hurt. If you want to put him in the forward spot, so if he has. if we're right about this, I'm not 100% sure that versatility goes a long way. Um, any chance there is another Celtic who makes an all NBA team? Anyone want to make the case? I, I don't think so. I thought it was interesting, but like you kind of have to do a cartwheel just to, to get there, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think all star maybe, but I, I would be surprised if
2: another Celtics makes an all NBA mm-hmm. team. Fair.
1: Alrighty. Well, let's keep this train moving. Um, and, uh, Oh, I closed the wrong tab. So unprofessional. Um, also unprofessional that my chair is back to squeaking like crazy. So anyone who's hearing that noise, it's not on your end it's on, end. it's on my end. It's on my rear end specifically. Um, Ethan, we, we going to talk about this in the news and we just moved it a little bit. Luka Doncic. Uh, I don't know if you know, this just had like the basketball game of, of all time. Yep. Um, And he's going to give Jason Tatum a run for his MVP money for sure. Where are you at on the MVP race right now? And build the timeline for Tatum to walk away with the trophy.
0: Oh man. Okay. So again, I I didn't even, I don't think I even picked anyone when I wrote this out. I have eight candidates who I think (laughs) like have a good shot right now. And it depends on how the rest of the season goes. Um, Tatum, Luka, uh, Durant, Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, uh, Zion, and Steph. Games have kind of hurt him in that respect, but Steph was there. Um, for Tatum to win this, I think, one, the Celtics have to be the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Um, that will kind of give him the edge over the rest of his East competitors. If he can actually stay in the 30 points per game range on his current shooting splits are fine. If he's going to continue moving the ball like he is, if he's going to be playing defense at a borderline all defense level i think i think it's there like uh, he's in the conversation right now so i think if he if he stays where he's at and the celtics hold on to the number one spot like i i could see him actually winning mvp again this is one of the craziest races that i've seen in a while but he's he's there for sure like there's no doubt he is a legitimate front runner at this point
1: alex where are you at right now on tatum and what could or couldn't happen in the future I think he's
2: squarely in the mix, um, you know, as we've kind of both been saying, like this is a really tight MVP race, and it's basically impossible to pick MVP like before all star break, let alone, you know, kind of down the road. Um, I think Tatum has a genuine shot. The thing is that MVP is very much a narrative based award. Uh, you need to have like A certain set of narratives coalescing at the right time in the season so for me what Jason Tatum really needs to do to win the MVP aside from all the stuff that Ethan just laid out is he needs to have a two or three week stretch where he looks like the best player in the on the planet for like eight games in a row something like that you know a stretch where it's like oh Jason Tatum had you know Averages like 38 points and, you know, nine rebounds and six assists on some ridiculous shooting percentage. If he does that, and the Celtics win in that stretch, um, I think he has a really, really good shot to actually walk away with the hardware as it stands right now. I am still of the belief that Nikola Jokic has been the best player in the NBA this season. The stats indicate it. The Nuggets are the number one seed out in the West. And it seems to me that Jokic does more on a game-to-game basis to lift his team and to make the players around him into their best selves. Um, But I think Tatum is right there with him and all it would take for Jason, aside from uh, keeping that kind of league best record, and maintaining his averages is to have one super hot stretch, particularly, you know, if it comes in like March or April, That I think that might seal the deal.
1: Yeah. I think the timing is going to be fair or not imperative. Um, the Celtics will play uh, Giannis and they will play Embiid. And if Siakam is part of this mix down the stretch, which will be helpful. They also have an easier load down the stretch. At uh, one point, they go Utah, Sacramento, although oh, not that easy, Indiana, San Antonio, Washington. Um, so there, there's a world where Tatum just like, goes supernova at the right time, um, kind of aided by the schedule. Um, but man, if, if Luke is going to do all this stuff, like again, I think Durant maybe is blue balled and that's not fair, but it might be a factor that just like is out there and, and it's crappy to say that. Um, But he also would be a deserving winner right now anyways. Um, I think Jokic, same thing. Like, people aren't going to give it to him because he's won so many times in a row. But Alex, you're probably right. Like, he is the MVP. Um, Giannis, I think, also blue-balled in a certain way because he's won recently. And so for that reason, just like weirdly process of elimination, it's probably Luka, Tatum, and I don't know, maybe Zion. And the NBA and its partners have a lot riding on Tatum um because they market him quite strongly and he's a willing partner there so that's really interesting uh perhaps but holy moly luca doncic is so good at basketball um and he's only i know we did that he's only 19 for so long but Luke is only 23 um Tatum's only 24 i mean they're both not historically young for the mvp award but they are going to be playing really 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 good basketball for a decade and that's awesome okay um it's December. So that's good enough for that one. Let's do the other awards quickly. Cause I don't think there's that much to say right now. And then we'll, we'll close with our all NBA teams. Uh, Ethan is a Celtic going to win dep- defensive player of the year
0: right now. No, but I, I think you, if the defense is good, I think they'll put some in there. I think Jaron Jackson jr. Right now is my runaway defensive player of the year. As long as he plays enough games, he has been just stupid. Good for the Grizzlies. I would just pick him in a heartbeat. Um, But I will pro. I'll be a Derek White propagandist the entire season, as (laughs) I think he's been the best individual defender on the Celtics this year. I think he should be all defense, first team. um, And if they end up having a top five-ish defense again, like, sure, he can get in the race that way.
1: Wow. That is one hell of a hot take. Even what the haircut?
0: (laughs) Uh, I mean, (laughs) it's a narrative-based award, maybe that's going to hurt him, but... Um, I really think he's been so so good, and just like what he's being asked to do as far as switching on and off the ball, uh, rotating up, the way he's able to generate seals, the way he's able to switch on the different players, and use his strength, his block rate, his block rate is always one of the highest among guards. Um, yeah. his Christmas performance is really good on the defensive end. Uh, I've just been such such a huge fan of how he's impacted the game, especially because Smart, at the beginning of the year, started a little bit slower by his standards on defense. Derek White was phenomenal then. Um, Yeah, totally, totally on the Derek White train.
1: I love that. Alex and I fancy ourselves the biggest Derek White truthers, so welcome aboard. (laughs) Uh, Great. Um, Alex, a Celtic going to win it? No, I
2: don't think so. I think as much as I would love for Marcus to repeat, um, I think he's grown a lot and developed on offense this year. And that is in some respects taking away from his level of intensity on the defensive end. I think come playoff time, he's still going to be one of the best defenders in the world, but I don't think he's going to win. The guy I have picked for defensive player of the year right now is Brooke Lopez, the Milwaukee Bucks Iron Man, who is putting up some patently absurd rim protection numbers and is the linchpin of the Bucks entire defensive scheme uh, with much respect to Giannis and Drew Holiday who are both excellent defenders in their own right none of it works unless Brooke, Brooke Lopez is also there at the rim to just be in the way he's a huge huge man and uh, he's very irritating to try and score against so that's my guy. Right
1: I now. suspect, I suspect he's also the betting favorite. Um, they, I actually, this is, uh, I'm breaking news sources say that they're going to give it to Luke Cornette and, um, they're going to rename the award and uh, change the trophy um, because he changed. He did what Reggie Miller did to the three point shot Luke Cornette is doing to <laughs> close out the defense. trophy.
0: Just going to be him standing vertically with his hands. Why exactly. <laughs> totally outstretched all whatever his wingspan is. It's going
1: to be a really cumbersome, annoying trophy to, <laughs> to have to bring home. Um, Okay, very really really quickly on the next two, and then we'll do our all all teams. Uh, if not, Bazooka Joe Missoula for Coach of the Year. Ethan, who?
0: Oh, uh, so Missoula is my Coach of the Year pick right now. I think otherwise, um, it would probably be Willie Green in New Orleans. Um, maybe, maybe that's a little bit propelling from last year too. But if New Orleans is really going to be a top two or three team in the West, they're so deep. They've they've dealt with injuries and still had guys step up and. Um, just fill roles really nicely. I would probably go with Willie Green.
2: Cool. Alex? I th- I mean, I really think Missoula is going to win this award. He seems like he's going to be um, the runaway favorite if the Celtics have the best record in the league. Um, There's some other candidates that I think are legit for sure. Um, I, I want to give a shout out to J.D. Uh, Bickerstaff for the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, who has done a really nice job organizing a very like new roster kind of on the fly and turning that into an actual Eastern Conference contender. Um, I already sung Jacques Vaughn's praises earlier in the podcast. I don't think he's going to win, but he's done a really nice job there. Mike Malone has won before, and so there's a decent chance that he will be in the running again. Uh, and, you know, I think that that's probably your group along with Willie Green, Joe Mazzula. You know, I'm sure that others will kind of pop in here and there. But for me, I feel like Joe Missoula is probably the favorite for a reason. You know, he's been really, really good. And is, if the Celtics have the best record in the league, I think you're going to have an awfully hard time arguing against it, winning it.
1: Yeah. So somehow I don't think Darvin Ham is going to win this one. Um, is Brogdon going to win six man, Ethan?
0: No. And I'm, and the reason, even though he is one of the best six men in the league, um, I need to see the voters do something other than just pick the best score off the bench first. Yeah. I think that's maybe this year's different because maybe they don't like the idea of a rookie winning it in Benedict Matherin. And maybe they'll go in a different direction, but um, I just, I need to see the process change for him to win it.
1: Yeah. You're probably right about that, Alex. Yeah, I don't think Malcolm Brogdon
2: is going to win it, and I think it's less to do with um, picking the best scorer off the bench and more to do with the fact that, like, Malcolm Brogdon has played pretty well, but I, I think, you know, he's an he's a upper echelon six-man, but I don't consider him to just be the favorite. He's missed some time. He had a little bit of a shooting slump during the losing streak. Um, you know, I think his game-to-game performances are good. They are... I I I rarely see situations where it's like Malcolm Brogdon is going out and winning the game for the Boston Celtics. Part of that is his role. But um I would have, I would have a hard time believing that he's going to win it. I do kind of think there there's something happening with TJ Warren in Brooklyn that I think is gonna warrant
1: real consideration for him heading down the stretch. We'll see. It's gonna warrant. Warren, um exactly. There is something about Brogdon and White that are they're just like understated people that. Uh, TJ Warren is a little flashier and playing for a a more surprising team that that, not all of this like BS narrative, but there's an emotional side to people picking these things. And um, I do wonder if Brogdon just being like so calm all the time doesn't doesn't really make for a compelling case. Okay, We probably titled this episode way too early. All NBA teams and people have politely sat through 45 minutes of the episode before we got to those all-NBA teams. So first of all, if you're still listening, might as well like and subscribe. It seems like you're married to the cause. Also, thank you. Ethan, uh, let's have you do your first team. Alex, you do your first team. I'll do mine, and uh, we'll see how much umbrage we need to take, if at all. So, Ethan, what would right now, it's December the 29th or something, what is your all-NBA first team?
0: Okay, so... This is with I I included Steph, assuming that he will eventually play enough games again at yeah. the pace that he was playing. So uh, Steph is on my first team. Luca is the other guard, and then I have Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, Nikola Jokic.
1: Alex, any uh, umbrage you'd like to take? Um, so for me, it's as we
2: mentioned before: Jason Tatum, uh, Kevin Durant, and Nikola Jokic are my forward. Um, And I I completely agree with Luka Doncic. I mean, he's been incandescent. It's really hard to argue against him. For Steph Curry, I think that there's a very good chance that this will ultimately end up being him on the first team if he just comes back and plays exactly the same as he was playing before. Um, As it stands right now, I have Ja Morant with a very slight edge uh, and that's purely based on just like games played in this time. I do think there's a pretty good chance that Steph will come back and ultimately jump him. But, you know, I think Ja is not in my mind, a true blue MVP candidate, but he's right there on the border. He's been excellent all year. Memphis is the third seed in West, but they're tied with new Orleans in record. So um, for me, that's my first team. It's just, the exact same as yours, Luka, Jokic, Tatum, Durant, but just swapping out John
1: Morant for Steph Curry? So I I obviously have Luka. I have uh, Tatum, right now, Giannis and Jokic. I have Shea, Gilgis Alexander. He's averaging 31 and a half points a game. Um, his team is not going to be better than Jaws at the end of the, the season. He probably will average fewer assists. And he will not have scored as well or or as efficiently. But first of all, I had to differentiate myself somehow. Second of all, uh, Shea is just really dang good on defense as well. Um, I don't, I don't feel the same way. Um, This is an offense first, second and third kind of league, but what Shea does on both sides of the ball is not unheard of, but pretty dang good. So that's where I'm at right now. Um, Ethan, give us your second team.
0: Okay. Wow. So I, I have Shea on my second team, and I thought that was a hot take for me, but that makes me feel better. Um Good. I do fully echo all of your points. He's been unbelievable. He is the most unstoppable driving player in the league outside of Luca. I, I guess I'd put yeah. Luca one, I'd put Shay two. Um and maybe maybe Giannis in that same tier. But so I have Shea on my second team. Ja is also my second team guard. I would bump him up, um, similar to Alex if curry doesn't play enough games or takes a step back and then uh, my other spots um Giannis would be on the second team Zion and Embiid which is crazy that the leading scorer in the league averaging almost 34 a game is going to be on the second team but that's that's where I'm at right now
1: yeah I, I'll just hop in quickly actually yeah I'm going to hop in because Alex has gotten to go second a lot um I have Donovan Mitchell on my second team alongside jaw I don't have Steph anywhere I think he's just going to miss too much time but maybe not people love Steph um and then I have KD LeBron and Embiid um totally totally agree with Embiid fantastic he should be the sixth man on the all the first team um yeah LeBron's playing out of his goddamn mind it doesn't matter that the Lakers stink like LeBron is LeBron is putting together like an all-time LeBron season and the books are cooked in favor of stars I mean like again I don't want to keep beating this drum that it's like a corrupt system and throw it out but it's LeBron and that matters. So I, I think if he you know, stays healthy, even if the, Celt- the Celtics, the Lakers flounder uh, or continue to flounder, um, honestly, floundering might be an upgrade. Uh, I think LeBron might end up on that second team. I certainly have him on my third team, if not. So uh, Donovan Mitchell and LeBron are my big surprises, I think. Alex, your second team.
2: Not a huge surprise for me on the Donovan Mitchell front, as I have him on my second team as well along with Steph Curry, um, I, again, you know, I think Steph's been just incredible this year in the games that he has played, kind of single-handedly carrying the Warriors in a lot of ways. Um, So if he comes back and he's playing at that level, uh, I'm going to have no problem slotting him onto my second team, maybe my first team. Um, I agree on the front court, it's Zion. For me, it's Giannis because Durant is on the first team and it's Joel Embiid. Um, And whether it's Durant or Giannis, like those six guys on your forward spots, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, Jokic, Zion, Giannis, and Embiid, those are the six best forward big guys in the league. Um, and whatever order you put them on, first team, second team, I think it's going to be like, you're you're going to have a justifiable argument for each and every one of them. Zion's been outrageous this year, fellas. He has been so good every night that he's on the court um, to the point where it's like, People are genuinely just complaining about having to play against (laughs) him, which is a real thing, but he's that good. Um, And Bede, an MVP candidate, Giannis, an MVP candidate, both elite. The only reason they are on the second team for me is because Kevin Durant and Jokic are on the first team and there's not enough spaces for them. But yeah, that's my team. And Booker, you know, Booker is going to miss a month here. So I do think there's a chance that he falls off but I'm making these based off of just like what I have seen so far in this season. And Booker has been far and away the Suns best player um, and is very much keeping them in the playoff. I'll be very interested to see
1: how the Suns fare without him. Yeah. I took Booker and Steph off because they missed a ton of time or they're, they're slated to, but uh, other people could miss time. Who knows? Um, Ethan Fuller of basketballnews.com and Boston globe give us your all nba 13 and of course thanks for stopping by
0: thank you so much okay my third team um gosh again really hard um i put booker on there um i if you want to take him off because of injuries i think i would put uh dame on there instead um
1: oh i might change mine <laughs> okay, keep going
0: <laughs> yes um donovan mitchell makes my third team again he has been amazing as as you both have said um i put Jalen Brown on my third team, put Siakam on my third team. I put Bam Adebayo on there um, because I think his defense has been amazing. I think he's finally taken a offensive bucket-getting leap, even though the Heat have been severely underwhelming. I might change and put LeBron on there because um, Cam, you made a better point about how dominant he's been. Anthony Davis would have been on there. He's hurt. um, But third team right now, as I had said it, is Dame, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown, Pascal Siakam. Uh, Bam I
2: want to just quickly issue a correction. Uh, I said that there are three guards on my second team. Um, so just to be clear, Donovan Mitchell and Steph Curry are my second team guys, which means Devin Booker is getting bumped to my third team. He might be able to, to play.
1: Now. He might be able to play the forward spot a lot. Jalen Brown uh... he might but I don't have him at the forward spot I have him at the guard spot
2: um and with my other third team guard I picked a, a player that Ethan also picked Damien Lillard, who's just been exceptional for Portland he has also missed a good bit of time and so that's why he's down here but I mean he is single-handedly carrying their offense it seems like basically him and Anthony Simons when he's out there um he's back to being every inch the player that he was uh he just needs to stay healthy Um, For my forwards, I have LeBron, I have Jalen Brown, uh, who have both been excellent, despite LeBron being on an absolutely moribund Lakers team. Um, And, you know, I'm kind of leaving Shea off in part because of his record and I'm bringing LeBron on despite the fact that the Lakers have a worse record. If you take issue with that what I would say is this LeBron James is making an all NBA team and that's just yes. the long and intro- there's no world in which he's not going to make an all NBA team so sorry about that for my last spot um this was the hardest choice for me there were a number of good candidates Siakam Adebayo uh all worthy of consideration but um I went with Demonis Sabonis oh, for yes, my last spot. I almost yes. had him uh-huh. and oh, the reason I went with Sabonis is because, folks, look at Sabonis's post numbers. He's putting up, like, better post efficiency than anybody since, like, Tim Duncan. It's absolutely crazy how good he's been in that specific spot. Um, he's the heartbeat of this Kings offense. He's really doing a lot uh, to grow his game as a passer, as a decision maker. He's a more aggressive rebounder. And, you know, the knock on Sabonis has always been that he's really struggled on defense. And it's not like Sabonis is ever going to be a lockdown defender. He just doesn't have the foot speed or the arm length for that, but he's He's playing a lot better than he has on defense. He's making visible improvements on that end. And the Kings are 17 and 14. I just feel like we have to reward the fact that he's come in and really made this team his own and put his stamp on it and now has them headed to the playoffs. So for me, Demonis Sabonis narrowly
1: edges out Siakam and Bam for that last spot. Uh, Alex, I don't think it's narrow. Sabonis leads the league in rebounding. Almost three offensive boards a game, almost thirteen total. He is thirteenth in assists, and he, he turns in almost twenty points a night. Sabonis is balling. I'm so pumped you said that. Uh, I was so, I was so pumped for myself to be able to say it. So I'm glad you had that. Um, yeah, Sabonis is. It's He's not been even excellent. like excellent. Yeah, it's not even like charity re- reward the beam team. It's like, no, the beam team exists because of this this guy. Um, mm-hmm. Man, fantastic. Okay, uh, the rest of my team. Uh, I have Trey. I probably want to change that to Dame. Um, I don't know. Trey's been good, even if the, the Atlanta's a mess. Um, I This is where I have Jalen, and then I have Siakam and Zion, um, and then aforementioned Sabonis. Um, whoa. Uh, um, my blood is like, coursing through my veins right now. I'm so pumped about Sabonis. Uh, okay, Ethan. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Sabonis Lab podcast. Uh, Ethan Fuller basketballnews.com and the Boston Globe. Thanks very much for stopping by. And um, we'll, we'll check back in, in in June or whatever when these teams drop and see how we did.
0: Yeah, Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, yeah. Ethan.
1: Um, folks who listen to this podcast know that I'm a teacher. Alex is a teacher. So it makes me very happy to say we will see you next year. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs> Adios.